KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Dominique DePrima. You know that. And I'm excited to have in the space with me today uh, someone who really embodies the concept of social innovation, an entrepreneur, activist, uh, and a commissioner. Uh, actually, the president of the L.A. World Airport Commission, which is a huge enterprise for those not from L.A., uh, something probably akin to a small state. Uh, Kareem Webb joins me. Good morning. Good morning. Thank Glad you to be for, with you this morning. Yeah, Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for coming in. He's on the YouTubes, as am I. Um, you got a lot going on, but mostly when we hear folks talking about you, they're talking about your enterprises, right? The Hilltop, uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings, um, all of the various entrepreneurial uh, enterprises that you have going. That's what you're, I guess, branded for. But what I noticed the most is that there's always a social impact piece with you. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, I think I, I know that I was very blessed to be born into a family uh, that was entrepreneurial, that uh, bred in me, that anything uh, that I qualified for, I could do. Uh, but that w- was also very connected and purposeful as it relates to black outcomes um, and leveraging, you know, business in a capitalistic democracy to improve our outcomes. And so I, I saw that I was, you know, kind of got my Ph.D. at the dinner table every day with my <laughs> mom and dad. Uh and their community, a community that included a lot of people that we know, heroes in L.A., the John Max, the Danny Bakewells and others. Um, and so, you know, really, I grew up at the feet of all of those people and the idea of uh, uh, the value of agency for black people and uh, that we have to be intentional and strategic uh, in terms of, of achieving it for ourselves. Right. So that was because that's kind of where I went with it. Your family, you know, were in the restaurant business franchise. You learned that and you still went and started it up on your own. You didn't just go and say, hey, I'm going to just take over my, you know, my mom and dad's businesses. You went and started your your own series of businesses. Where did that piece come from, that social impact piece? Oh, you know, we all have a journey. You know, and mine, <laughs> like most black folks, includes some some trauma, some mm. self-inflicted uh, trauma in my early twenties. And uh, self-inflicted <laughs> trauma. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of that. And uh, so, you know, when I was 11 years old, and my my dad came in my room, he was working for McDonald's Corporation at the time, and said, "Hey, you can never inherit my job, but one day you might be able to inherit my business." And for a guy that you know, uh, you know, went to manual. Grew up in South Central LA, raised by his grandmother, um, you know, working for a company where he was able to earn stock options uh, and then able to leverage them in order to put a down payment to own a business, uh, you know, uh, was a blessing. You know, I, I mean, that was something to learn from in and of itself. So growing up in McDonald's, going to Morehouse College, working for other McDonald's franchisees, and that's a network of 300 black families across the country who operate like a fraternity and a family to a degree, spent a lot of time together. Um, McDonald's was the only thing I'd ever done until I was in my late 20s, and it was not the place that your friends would come to to hang out or so right. on and so forth. Right. There, was, there was a lot of reasons why I was I was interested in, in doing other things. 
Mm-hmm. So, well, you kind of have created the places your friends come to hang out, right? Yeah, exactly. Between yeah. Hilltop but, and uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, those are places people go to hang out, right? For sure. And and to be clear, I didn't create Hilltop. You know, like the portfolio of things that I'm involved in, some are enabling. Some I've been blessed to have added a little bit of value. And friends like AJ and Yoni um, at Hilltop have allowed me to participate or ask me to uh, be helpful early in the process. Um, and there are a number of things that I'm involved in um, that I promote and am proud to be involved in, but I'm not really responsible for it. So I want to be clear about that. Buffalo Wild Wings is a little different. Some of the things that we're up to now, uh, Silver Creek, which is a, mo- uh, a modular manufacturing business that my family's involved in, um, are things that we spend uh, a good bit of time and the civic engagement when, when the mayor uh, empowers you. Uh, to lead a group of really talented people to get some stuff done uh, when you're spending $30 billion, you know, at the airport and it's $2 billion a year of, of, of revenue, uh, you're going to spend some time, you know, in order to get it right and to align people in a way that is consistent with, with the mayor's vision. Okay, a lot, a lot right there to unpack. Uh, first of all, what is a uh, modular... What did you call it? A modular, modular manufacturing. A modular business. manufacturing. So what is you know, that it even? Could be you know building apartments and homes um, or ADUs. It's basically uh, Legos. Sort of, yeah. But it's <laughs> we we build classrooms and schools primarily, uh, and the business is out in in Lake Paris in the Hemet area in the Inland Empire, and and we build we build classrooms and buildings, and then we assemble them on site. So when you talk about um, when you talk about civic engagement and entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship piece, as you're saying, it can be founding something, it can be investing in something, it can be helping to level it up mm-hmm. or scale it up. Um, and when you talk about the civic engagement, what is that piece? Because when I look at your Instagram or I look mm-hmm. at your resume, I'm like, is this guy running for president? You know, you're on this board, you're on that board, you're doing this charity, you're doing that charity, and you've got all of these businesses. Is that just something from the heart or is it part of a strategy? Is it going to be, you know, President Webb or something? Um, absolutely not. I'm never running for <laughs> office. <laughs> that ain't really? happening. No. Never, uh, never. No. I can't even imagine a world unless unless my great grandmother came back in a dream some sort of way. And said, like, you know, it would have to be something I can't even imagine to happen because I, I don't like doing things. Um, uh, that aren't to me like as direct when you're in business, you really, and especially when you're the boss or you're the entrepreneur, you don't make many moves that aren't consistent with like moving something forward a little faster. Um, and that's my sweet spot. You know, what you learned early in the restaurant business, like somebody's good on fries, leave them on fries. Like it's all good. <laughs> so like, I feel like I'm on fries generally, but, but everything fits. Right. So, right. um, uh, my board journey started at, uh, as a board member at L.A. Southwest College, and it was an invitation from somebody that I, I met somewhere, like speaking to young people. My passion for young people came from working next to young people and knowing the only difference between me and them um, was my parents. Right. So play ball with the same kids, went to different high schools, but we worked together, went to the same parks and played. You know, for the fellas, we dated the same young ladies. You know, it was, it was all of that socially. Um, it was my folks. But I was able to do everything that I qualified for because my parents could afford it 
and I was exposed to things that those young people were not exposed to at the time. And I knew that that was not of my doing, that that was, uh, uh, you know, by happenstance. I won the birth lottery, so to speak, as it relates to black young people. Um, and so uh, I know that for the young people that work for me. I'm an entry-level employer with Buffalo Wild Wings franchises, and I know that through no fault of, of all of our young people's, through no fault of their own, many of us are born into situations that lead to these negative predictive outcomes. And, you know, and at some point, I think when I, when Buffalo Wild Wings was open here on Crenshaw and I was, my business partner Ed and I were teaching a class at Dorsey, uh, something hit me, it was an epiphany, uh, which was like, oh, I don't, it's not about how many Buffalo Wild Wings are open, it's how, how many young people um, can we empower, right? And, and that's when the board service thing happened. And then if you're a leader and you have a skill and you bring it to anything, you're going to get more opportunities. And ultimately, you see how it all works. Because I'm on the board to California Community Foundation, those other board members are successful in their own field, have a lot of influence. So the things that I care about, black outcomes, fairness as it relates to black representation, um, increasing uh, you know, our average household income, educational attainment, health outcomes, you know, I, these are now relationships and systems that I can leverage st strategically and align with people that think like me in order to get more things done. And, uh, that's the point. So whether or not like it's in business or, you know, AJ and, and, and Yoni at Hilltop, we're doing such an incredible job with ESA or what AJ and, and Austin Clemens are doing with um, Slauson and Company and their venture firm, and they're doing, I mean, just best in class in a short amount of time. What Ed and I are doing at Buffalo Wild Wings, um, South Central Wine, and, uh, you know, some partners, and and I have launched many other things. I'm not even thinking about Hilt, um, Every Table. I'm on the board of Every Table, right. Sam Polk, and what he's doing, uh, and social equity to enable um, young, primarily women of color to own those businesses over time, leveraging the foundation network in order to uh, finance the uh, social enterprise in that way. Really like have being able to be at the table to have clever conversations to solve problems um, in ways that are consistent with my core competency. Um, and then just to grow it, just to do more of it and enroll more people um, you know, kind of in the ideas, moving towards progress. We got to go get progress. And yeah, and you have some really specific yeah. ideas about how we can go get those that mm -hmm. progress. I want to talk about that when we come forward. I want to talk about the airport because we hear so much about all of these dollars coming into Southern California uh, prior to the World Cup, prior to the Olympics, and all of this building that's going on. Um, and all of these areas have implications for those black outcomes that you're talking about as far as wealth building, as far as positioning ourselves for growth. So I want to look at that, get to your specific ideas when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you've had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. I do appreciate you and uh, very excited to have with me us. Uh, Civic leader um, and a an activist entrepreneur um, in the studio, Kareem Webb. You say activist entrepreneur because you're combining the civic engagement with the entrepreneurship. 
it's not a given. Like you could just say, I'm going to get mine, just get as rich as I can and as many franchises as I can and forget this, this black community. It's too much drama. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know where it came from, but it was, it was wanting to, um, broaden kind of how I define myself as bigger than a restaurant tour. And that never really felt right to me because, you know, you go into these spaces with other franchisees and the brand that you're in or in the restaurant industry generally. Um, When you employ the way that we try to employ, people want to learn from you. You know, typically a lot of conservative white men that, that run big restaurant platforms. And they're interested in how to engage their people. Their customers are are, uh, oftentimes majority people of color, how to engage their customers. So you end up adding a lot of value, um, but you don't reap the same benefit. You don't have the same platform, same access to capital. So I didn't really align with restaurateur and what a restaurateur meant to me. Um, And uh, as an entrepreneur, it's like everything that, that we have a choice about how we approach everything. For me, it's all about improving outcomes. So it is, I am an entrepreneurial activist. I'm not anything that I come to. I want to make sure the P and L, you know, works. We're going to drive revenue and be efficient in the way that we do it. But at the same time, uh, I'm not getting involved in anything that, that where I don't, don't see how this, you know, is a platform for conversation that drives us forward and, or, um, you know, creates a lot of opportunity for us. Make sure the P&L works mean profit and loss. Yeah, yeah. You know, making sure that the mo- the business is making money, so it's not just activism, mm-hmm. but it's not just making money. It's also activism. In a capitalistic democracy, the business has to win. If the business ha- it do- doesn't win, then, then, you know, your thesis is flawed and your application of it is flawed. So, like, <laughs> it, it, you know, like, the business has to go out here and compete. And the bigger that it is, the more impact it should have. Uh, if you're beginning with the end in mind. You know, um, Julianne Malveaux, the the black um, economist, always says, talks about predatory capitalism and this idea of squeezing every, you know, every ounce out of the worker, out of the profit uh, bottom line. And and I wonder, are we moving towards a more socially impactful kind of model? You know, to me, that seems like the way to... I mean, at the risk of sounding dramatic, save capitalism, because mm-hmm. I feel like if we keep going to this, you know, predatory model where it's only profit, that's not sustainable. Well, yes, I, I think some of us are, but very few. Really? Um, I think there's an opportunity. Uh, I think philanthropy has the opportunity to drive it. Um, and, and, and I also think the browning of America will have a, an impact on it in time. I think when you see foundations like wellness that was run by Judy Belk until recently um, and and what she was investing in or what Cal Wellness Foundation was investing in, it's different than her predecessor and different than other people in similar roles that don't have don't come from her background or what you see Dr. Ross doing at the endowment. Some of what we were up to at CCF. I'm excited about what Miguel Santana is going to do, you know, as our new CEO there. So, so I think philanthropy has, has a big role to play because they have the ability to enable access to capital and to really convene. That's their most uh, powerful instrument um, is to convene a- around it. But when you look at private equity and capital generally, um, there was a time when there were significantly more 
uh, publicly held companies and generally publicly held companies where there's public boards uh, don't squeeze profitability the same way that private equity owned firms mm. do. And now the majority of our economy is run uh, is our businesses that are owned by private equity. Um, and when businesses aren't public and they're being ran outside of uh, the public scrutiny um, that exists in the in the public markets, uh, you know, you can have incentives and behaviors that aren't probably cons- always consistent or as consistent with the interest of society as a whole. Uh, but we're gonna, the country's going to change, you know, really rapidly, uh, you know, a, a, as it browns. That's and that 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 I think that's part of the 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 macro conditions that exist around like you know not just in the economy but in a lot of other ways politically and otherwise socially the pushback that we're feeling I know you talk a lot about that but um, as it relates to the money access to capital and what we're doing uh, it's a really 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 interesting time with things changing rapidly and I hope we keep our eye on the prize speaking of access to capital um, one of the things one of the concrete ways that you've talked about you know, building wealth or more, at least black um, participation is around pension funds. Explain what you, what you mean by that. Well, yeah. Well, you know, in California, um, if you look at the payees into the biggest pension funds, I mean, CalPERS and CalSTRS have $1.2 trillion combined. and wow. <laughs> uh, And they invest some of that money in the public markets. They invest a lot of that money into private equity firms that manage that money. Um, they have other ways that they invest it, but but the money is invested in private equity firms that are uh, primarily led by black people at less than a fraction of a percentage. Even Latino people who are you know make up fifty percent of our state, it's less than two percent. Wow! And that's, so that's stunning, actually. It is, and 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 why that matters is because people invest in people they trust and like and relate to. I mean, that that mm-hmm. that part is human nature. Right. And so in addition to uh, um, conscious bias, <laughs> mm-hmm. we're not even talking about the, uh, yeah. just, the unconscious bias is right. one thing, but there's conscious bias, too. And so, uh, you know, we don't have access to capital or our businesses, even our you know, super competitive businesses will, you know, today don't get access to capital to be to be able to compete, to be a prime on $30 billion projects at the airport yeah. or at Metro or at, you know, the things that Rex Richardson has going on in Long Beach or the mayor has going on in other areas of the city. We, we don't get that access, even though uh, people of color are, are significant percentages of the payees. So in other words, like we spend a lot of our uh, kind of, uh, let's say, political bandwidth and political energy and activism energy around wages, um, you know, and, 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 and other indicators of quality of life, um, but not around wealth creation. And in a capitalistic democracy, I think we need, we need to, um, you know, elevate wealth creation as a pillar of, of our advocacy. I mean, it's kind of like we're, we're chasing the solution to the problem, uh, which is, you know, we need housing, we need better wages, we need, w- which are all important. But what you're talking about is something that can arrest the cycle of that, you know, 
ever-increasing number of unhoused people, that ever-increasing number of folks, you know, dependent on low-wage jobs um, by... And so when you, t- when you talk about those retirement funds being largely people of color, you're talking about the people who are paying into the retirement funds. Yeah, if you're a police officer or if you're a, a firefighter a or teacher. if you're a teacher or if you work at Metro or if you Government work workers, for the city, right? right. right um, yeah, those are your retirement dollars. And, you know, it was a time when it was like those jobs you know, gave us security because there was retirement and right. pension income and so on and so forth. And, w- and what we believed is that that quality of life would enable our children to go to college and to compete, not necessarily to have our job. Right. But why shouldn't our retirements fund our children's ideas? Yeah. Rather than somebody else's ideas that don't have our interests. So how do we how do we make that happen, Kareem Webb? I mean, how do you because I mean, it sounds very logical, right? Our dollars, our investment. Well, we got to advocate. It's not a conversation that I really ever hear. Um, I'm advocating to make certain that in the foundation community, which is a convener, if we think about HHH and um, really the, the homeless movement before the mayor was was with us every day uh, before she came home from com- Congress. Um, um, it was really uh, that bond measure in HHH that was the differentiator uh, in terms of getting those billions of dollars for homeless housing. And that started in the foundation community, the convening and the investing in uh, what needed to happen to get that measure, uh, those measures on the ballot and then get them passed. So um, philanthropy has the ability to, to 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 lead here and I hope that it will. I'm gonna I'm gonna work to make that happen. Um and then I think there's just it's an awareness campaign. We we need to be aware of of this level of unfairness around access to the money so that we can compete to the high rises that you see happening in, in, in and around downtown or the development happening in Inglewood or all the infrastructure money that's being spent here or the graining of California, all of the air conditioning and HVAC systems that have to be. And I'm just talking about government spending. I'm right. not even talking about it in the private sector. And we are not positioned to take advantage of all the dollars that are going to be spent that we are ultimately bonds and uh, uh, debt that the cities all around us will take out, that we will pay back as taxpayers. We're not positioned um, to be the contractors and the beneficiaries of the bi- hundreds of billions of dollars. They'll be mm. doing disadvantaged business enterprise programs where we're relegated to 10 percent and then they try to figure out ways for us not to get the majority of the 10 percent um, in order so that they can get you know other folks are getting 90 percent wow. who are not aligned with our interests and it's 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 is is what we like to call hustling backwards <laughs> we're talking with kareem <laughs> webb the conversation continues after news traffic and sports how do we get in position to get those dollars that's next on kbla talk 1580 more of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Find a righteous range and don't be afraid to say what you see. We're KBLA Talk 1580. Entrepreneurial activist Kareem Webb is my guest today. Also happens to be the president of the L.A. World Airport Commission. And we do have a lot to talk about, uh, you know, how to get access to that wealth and some of the other things um, that you are doing that I want to focus on. But first, let's go to Antonio calling us from L.A. Antonio, thank you for your patience. Good morning. Good morning. You're on the radio. What's on your mind? 
So I have a question. I'm a I'm a class A engineering contractor. Um, I have a company for steam pipeline, but the problem is I've never done I qualify for these major contracts, but I've never done it. So it's hard for me to accept um a contract when I haven't done the work. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to build the knowledge to be able to do that. Uh what, you have the company, you, you qualify but you don't you've never done it so you're scared? Absolutely, because I don't want to squander this opportunity. You know, if, if, you know, when you're building these contracts, if it goes bad, they could take your house, they could, you know. And so my thing is wanting to make sure that I could um, uh, do the projects or maybe witness it, you know, before I actually get involved in it. So I wanted to know what, you know, what would your guest or whatever, how would he suggest um, I go about, you know, maybe getting the information, maybe volunteering or what would you suggest in that act, you know, to, uh, you know, for these contracts? What kind of engineering do you do? So I do water pipeline, um, particularly, but I can do anything though. My engineering contract license qualifies me to do anything, bridges, buildings, any of that stuff. So I have the know-how, but again, I just don't have the technical skills to actually do it. Well, my suggestion is, uh, you know, uh, when you say water pipelines, I think uh, Department of Water and Power for sure in L.A., Metro, um, Edison, LAX, all have um, uh, academies and or resources and departments that uh, like kind of help you figure out how you might be able to be a sub on a project to begin with. Um, and also kind of inform you of what RFPs are coming down. Typically, they have... Um, request for proposals yeah um, in information sessions um, where they can partner primes with subs um, there are a lot of environments that you can put yourself in to to learn and and just go a little bit deeper about what the opportunities are what the requirements are and how um, you might be able to work with any of these entities to to get your first opportunity get your feet wet and then grow from there. And you and, talk about being a sub. It's like he would be a subcontractor under a larger entity to be able to work on a project that way, maybe get his confidence or kind of get his sea legs to be able to move forward. Yeah. And and, and, and ultimately, I assume, and brother, you can share with us, uh, I assume like if you have your license, you went and got the license, but you've worked, you may be working for somebody else in, in this field in the exactly. past, right? Yeah. So exactly. if, if, if you've done the work, what you're going to find is that uh, there are some processes that you're inf unfamiliar with. There are probably going to be some requirements, capital insurance and others that you may or may not be uh, familiar with. And then there are the systems. So whether or not you're working at, at one of the airports or whether you're working with Metro or you're working um, you know, at one of the city agencies, uh, every apparatus or platform has its own process, its own people um, that, you, that, that it pays to get to know. Um, so that you okay. can execute the business part of, of, and when I say the business part of it, it's the non-engineering part of executing, right. tackling an opportunity, yeah. and do that efficiently, but you just got to be in it to win it. So if you wanted to start somewhere, a resource I could give you, you could go to LAWA, Los Angeles World Airport's website, um, and if you, I think if you, probably if you search for Amber Meshack uh, and her group, um, you would be able to be connected and there are resources there. If you reached out, sent an email or, or made a phone call, they would call you back and invite you to an information session. 
Um, I yeah, I was just uh, last week. I did actually emceed a supplier diversity fair for the DWP, and there were primes, and there were smaller um, companies like yours connecting with those primes, Antonio. And I, I, I listening to you, Kareem Webb, I feel like a lot of these big agencies probably have similar pipelines to try to get some of these smaller um, contractors ready, right? And they and they do, and it's important. Uh, it's a, it's a really important uh, function. In addition, uh, which is what is the muscle that they've been exercising. So they're really actually really good at it. So, you know, a small business um, that wants the opportunity to grow in time, but wants to to kind of get in um, uh, all of these platforms, they, they do a really good job at that because that's what they do. What they don't do a good job at is is helping the company go from small to large and, and competing competing for the real for, for for much bigger chunks of the business right yeah. well antonio it's lawa.org l-a-w-a.org laworldairports.org scale up it those are two things i feel like black businesses in particular struggle with number one is just what antonio said we know how to do the thing we just don't know how to do the business part that goes with the thing we can make the pies or make the pipes fix the pipes or make the videos but making that function as a business that's not being funded out of our pocket is not our strong suit and then scaling up uh so many folks that i know that have businesses struggle to scale up yeah, you know, um, it, you know, it takes it, it takes a a, a skill set that is different than the skill set that's needed to establish the original business. So, do we, are we meant to hire people to scale us up? Are we meant to hire? You know, is it go to a you know Vermont's Lawson Economic Development Corporation and learn, or do, or do we not, or do we need to go ahead and hire the people? Because I think sometimes as Black people or lower income folks, we're we are more hesitant to hire a lawyer hire an accountant even though we spend money on other stuff yes so i, I think you can acquire the expertise in, in in a lot of different ways one you can either uh attain it yourself um which is not always you know easy while you're trying to keep your business afloat and and, and do what you're doing every day you can partner which is is something that i don't think we do enough of is to try to figure out you know um you know, not necessarily because you can't do it, but you have a core competency. So who or what has a complementary core competency <laughs> that could allow you to grow that opportunity? Yeah. I think that's really important. And, you know, I'm laughing because my friend Marie Deary, you know, who's a, has a financial management company, is always telling me, stick to your core business, Dominique. Yeah. Every time I come to her with some crazy idea, she's like, stick to your core business. That's yeah. why I'm laughing. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and, and when it comes to partnering, we have to really deal with the fact that we've got, you know, uh, you know 400 years of trauma and trust issues and all yeah, of that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff yeah. as it relates to, um, you know, kind of trusting uh, another person, uh, you know, with your well-being or the well-being of something you've worked years and years and years for to get it to where it is. That's another risk. So we rather neglect it ourselves and risk someone else. In order to grow. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, there, 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 there are more than one way to acquire the information um, that's needed. I definitely, um, again, or we can go back to the access to capital thing. Uh, You know, when you, when you go to a bank, for a bank loan, typically you need two years of bank statements, and 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 there it's it's the lowest risk 
capital that exists is bank debt. Private equity is is you're going to have a partner that comes with bigger skill sets. Now, private equity typically is looking for if you own a restaurant, they want a lot of units. They're not going to private equity is not going to come in for one unit necessarily. That's doing well and, and help that that company grow. That's not how that model works. Neither does venture capital. Venture capital and that asset class or the things that they invest in is different than, let's say, a, a, a small restaurant. But if you are a subcontractor and you've been um, growing your business and you grew your business from a million dollars in revenue to five or seven million dollars in revenue and your business is positioned to take advantage of a lot of opportunity in the region, you're probably pretty attractive to somebody, some partner or um, uh, some um um, capital resource, private equity, or other that would be interested in 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 enabling uh, and bringing skill set to the table to help you take advantage of the opportunities. It feels like there's such a big gap um, between what you're talking about, all these dollars, you know, coming into LA, and I'm sure this is Southern California is not the only place, right, where you see these huge developments and build outs going on. It seems feels like there's such a big gap between our ability to step up on that level of business and um, where we are right now? Well, there is a gap. There's a significant gap because we get so few of the dollars. I mean, we're, you know, maybe a little less than 8% of the population of LA, about the same population in the region generally, where there's 25 million people. And um, in terms of the wealth that we bring in, right, uh, is it is significantly less than our population, where you know maybe around one percent wealth that we bring into our own communities. I feel like we're bringing wealth into other communities. No, I'm talking about the money that we make versus right, the, right. the 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 GDP of the area. Right, right. Like we're eight percent of the people. We don't get eight percent of the dollars. Don't come through our hands. Right. And to me, as like uh, those of us who are taking responsibility with our lives for. Um, doing the best that we can to advance our agency, our ability to exist with choice and power um, in, in, in L.A., need to be trying to reverse engineer strategies to help us get our fair share of the resources. Because with the resources comes choice and self-determination. And uh, we're, we're, we're way, way, way off. And... You know, it's not the government per se that's going to solve that problem for us. We we have to really understand the financial markets, and then we got to advocate um, strategically for what should be coming to us. Have folks in place that can manage big uh, uh, portfolios of resources of dollars, um, and then be able to have opportunities and and to 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 be able to get those investment dollars into our businesses and then do the right thing. Then be the right employers, develop other people, hire, you know, subs and smaller companies, uh, you know, be intentional about the other service providers that we hire, um, you know, act like we really care about improving our outcomes, you know, you know, uh, uh, you know, all of us all the time. All of us, all the time. I love that. Sounds like a slogan. All of us, all the time. We're talking with Kareem Webb, and the conversation continues when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. 
We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. Entrepreneurial activist Kareem Webb is with us. Okay, real quick before we get into airport, I have to ask you about what happened to the Buffalo Wild Wings on Crenshaw because I've been hearing some crazy stories. Oh, uh, got new owners in the mall, and suddenly there's no more Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh uh, yeah, no. Well, I'm glad you asked. So, so first of all, when you do when you're a franchise like that, you, you typically do a ten year lease with two five year options. So you control the space for twenty years. When got you're it. Gonna invest that kind of money that it wow. costs to build those things out, and then um, what happened on Crenshaw is uh, Metro happened to us really. So as the Crenshaw wow. line began to, to get built, if built if you remember there were days and nights or and certainly you know multiple hours and days where crenshaw would be closed down etc cetera, etc cetera. and so traffic patterns changed and so the volume in the store began to decrease because people who were used to maybe coming up crenshaw to get home or whatever and see buffalo wild wings stop in started taking la brea or arlington um okay to go from north to south so the volume began to to, to drop and then the mall announced that they were going to do this significant redevelopment. So if the mall is going to do a significant redevelopment, you you know, it didn't make sense to try to exercise your next 10 years on the lease. You couldn't do that because that part of the mall right now is getting ready to be torn down and they're going to build apartments there, whatever they're going to do. So uh, also on your franchise agreement, at about seven years, you have to remodel. And oh, so wow. to go and spend four or five hundred thousand dollars, put in new TVs, fix the bathrooms, like do new furniture, decor and all of that kind of stuff for us. When you knew you weren't going to be there the next 20 years, it didn't make sense. We opened the Buffalo Wild Wings in Koreatown. A lot of our customers that live in and around the Crenshaw District that were coming to that Buffalo Wild Wings were going up there. We were losing money, a good amount of money every month. Wow. And so. At, at at some point, you just, you know, you say, all right, well, we're going to do do some other things. We'll be on Figueroa soon in the USC corridor where, you know, all the employees and team members that we had on and, in Baldwin Hills or at the Crenshaw Mall had opportunities to work at other stores. And we're still, you know, very committed and, you know, in our community. That's what really matters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, you got to make the right business decisions. Breaking news. Okay, that yeah. rumor control here. Yeah. So talk to me about LA World Airport. You're the president, yeah. president of that commission. LA World Airport, huge, huge organization. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, not just all the airlines and all everything that happens in the airport, but all of those businesses that are there as well. What should we know about well, you should know that it, it's 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 a tremendous economy in and of itself. It it drives two billion dollars worth of revenue every year, oh, wow. and pre-COVID, a hundred million travelers would co- go through LAX every year, and we'll probably hit about eighty-seven, eighty-eight percent of that this year, uh, and next year we'll get pretty close to a hundred million travelers again. We're spending thirty billion dollars to redo the airport. So if you if you have driven um, by the airport or if you've flown in or out of LAX in the last few years, you've seen the train, the elevated train that's coming. Um, you've seen a lot of the work in the terminals. We probably have a little bit over twelve billion of that thirty that we've spent already. But we're going to build uh, a terminal zero, a whole new terminal, like you know, adjacent to the Southwest Terminal One. We're going to build a Terminal Nine. We're uh, doing a consolidated uh, cargo facility. Um, 
there will be, well, there is now uh, a consolidated rental car facility. So you'll be able to take the train, um, the Crenshaw line into the airport. It'll connect to an elevated train and then take you uh, very close to any of the uh, terminals that you would need to use. Um, the facility is being totally remade. It's going to be a much better user experience. That 45 minutes when you have to go, you know, <laughs> I used to hear somebody say like the 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 least favorite six words that somebody could tell you in L.A. is could you pick me up from the airport? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pretty so, much. yeah. So it's like uh, that 45 minutes sometimes that it takes to drive around the cent central terminal area. We anticipate, uh, you know, that to be mitigated uh, for the most part. Everything's so, in transition now. Yeah. Even that little whatever they call it. LA exit or you go yeah, over to that that'll be gone lot, which once I, the train is I'm not gonna lie I hate yeah, that yeah, thing. no we all I mean that, <laughs> that, listen it's making the best of a bad situation yeah, we yeah. know it but once the train is open that won't exist anymore right right well, that's so, what I was hoping <laughs> yeah yeah so give us give us till uh let's call it the first quarter of 2025 that train should be should be operating okay so we're not so, too far away yeah so yeah. that's a pretty quick timeline mm -hmm. um Back to your, I mean, you're really passionate about, you know, good outcomes, better outcomes for black folks. Mm -hmm. um, how how does that apply to the business being done at, at the airport? Oh, well, uh, you know, our, our spend in terms of uh, who the contractors are for the $30 billion does not look like, God willing, how it'll look, you know, uh, after we've been in place, this current board for a few years, uh, we're actively in the process of changing that. You know, a couple of months ago, the CEO resigned um, in order to, to pursue another opportunity. And we're in the process of onboarding a new CEO. Um, and the people that we're interviewing, I think, are committed to the mayor's vision of improving um you know, the disparity of, of, of who gets what. We got to make the airport, when you spend this kind of money in all of our public platforms, you know, yes, the what has to happen in a world-class way, but so does the how. Mm. And so our board and, and my role as president is to enable all of the talent that is uh, on the airport commission, there's seven of us, to uh, dramatically improve the how. I tell you that, you know, on our commission, we've we've uh, historically had two committees. We've had an audit committee and then a security committee. I'm sure you can imagine how important security is yeah. at an airport. Um, but we're standing up uh, a procurement committee so we can have our eyes much closer and in much more detail on the who gets what and what is the process in order to help more people qualify and what are the barriers to qualifying for opportunities, as well as a workforce development uh, committee. Like we, we really want to be... Uh, the world's best airport and region for aviation careers. And, and we have the talent on our board and the talent at LAX, at Lawa, um, on, the, on the management side to be able to do that. And we're going to be aggressive about it. Kareem Webb, uh, we've got about a minute left here. I, I appreciate you coming in, supporting the station, spending the hour with us. What do you want to leave us with this morning? Uh, I want to leave us with something you know, kind of positive and forward looking. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of go back to our ancestors, too. It's like I, I feel like there is a reason why we've experienced some of the things that we've experienced as a people, um, that we've never been led by a more committed 
um, kind of checks on the board leader in terms of Mayor Bass, who's who's only about doing the right things for the right reasons. We have other leaders in our region, um, our supervisor, Holly Mitchell, Marquise Harris-Dawson. If there is ever a time for us to kind of get in where we fit in, now is the time across the region. And I think we're also finding um, a lot of alignment and allegiance, which is needed with our brown brothers and sisters and the leaders in that space kind of, you know, um, coming after the drama that we saw, you know, coming out of city council a year and a half ago. Yeah. Now it now now is the time for all of us to to really align in order to improve outcomes. Let's go get it. Let's go get it. You can find him everywhere at Kareem Webb. You can find us everywhere at KBLA 1580. And um, you guys keep telling me, bring back the quotes, bring back the quotes. My quote today is coming straight from today from Kareem Webb. I love that. Everybody all the time. Everybody all the time. I'm Dominique DePrima. History is now and we are making it together. Tavis Smiley's up next. He's got a great show on deck for you. I'll see you on the social medias. Until tomorrow, one love.